Welcome to those 2AM talks. We're just two girls in their 20s having 2AM conversations at every time of day. I'm Alessandra, the A. I'm a food, book, bike, and laughter enthusiast, a lover at heart most days, and a fighter on the others, and a person who really just loves the simple things about life. I'm Michaela, the M. I'm a curious homebody who loves to learn about film, psychology, and marketing. I'm known for marching to the beat of my own drum and always seeking to find the deeper meaning of things. We have open, honest, vulnerable, challenging, and engaging conversations about what it's like being two girls trying to live a life, navigate our relationships, and be grounded in our faith. All right, hey everybody. Um, we're back. Those two AM talks. Your A's here. <laughs> <laughs> What's cool with you, bro? Why did you do this every single time? <laughs> Michaela. And your M is here, Michaela. <laughs> and, and and today we have our special guest, Alyssa. What's your last name again? Horace. Alyssa Horace. <laughs> Hi. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Alyssa is a very intelligent, outspoken confident and beautiful person that I met at Tech. We did her campus together. She's a Leo, <laughs> if you don't mind me saying. Today we're gonna talk about healing from trauma. Uh, well, let's get into it, shall we? <laughs> uh, Alyssa, Alyssa is taking your spot. <laughs> she's, she's the host right now. She's gonna interview you, Kim. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, big, that's a big topic. Who came up with that? Uh, I think we both did. Who, you and Alyssa? You and me. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, I don't know where to start. Those are those are two big words to me. They are big words. So, healing from trauma. Well, what does that mean to you? To me, it means, I think first, putting in the work to figure out what trauma I've experienced and what particular and specific things I need to do to heal those trauma wounds. So for example, maybe I have mother wounds or father wounds and then kind of sitting with myself and figuring out, okay, what are those specific wounds? Maybe how am I carrying those over into other relationships with other people and how can I work on that within myself so that I stop doing those things and can kind of heal for myself. What about you? Oh man, I think healing from trauma means like, it's like a for life thing, you know? Like I feel like a lot of times you think either because something happened a long time ago that it's no longer affecting you or because you've like been in therapy for 10 years and you're mm-hmm. like, okay, I don't want to be in therapy anymore. Like I'm done. Yeah. But it's like a lifelong thing. I think like all of who you are as a person in this moment, like who I am standing right now is like, a combination of every version of myself that's like ever existed and like some of those versions of myself experience trauma so like just because I decide to like remove myself from that chapter of my life doesn't mean that that version of myself isn't still like moving through in this moment you know yeah so I feel like it's a lifelong thing like you just have to forever be doing the work it's like cleaning you know like you yeah. always have to clean like you're right. always gonna have to vacuum you're always gonna have to grocery shop I feel like you're always gonna have to be working on yourself and like trauma is going to continue to happen to you in your life right and like and if you slack on cleaning then stuff will build up yeah it gets dirty it gets kind of messy i think we've all been there <laughs> so yeah yeah that's what it means to me alessandra uh, what does healing from trauma mean to you Alyssa stole my answer man i was gonna say it's a lifestyle and i uh, i loved everything you said 
but I think I'll take a different approach on it. I think it's a way to like get to know yourself better. You know, I think there was a point when you entered the world and you weren't traumatized, and then of course this world is traumatic, and it's like you have to take the action and the initiative and you know thought processes to get to know yourself and what like what all the traumas in your life, what it's meant to you, how it's impacted you, how it's changed you, and get to know that new version of yourself. So I think it's a lot of effort to getting to know your, your true self and the person you're becoming based off of what traumas have happened to you. So, yeah. of course, like, healing isn't for everything. Like you said, it's like cleaning. But it's also, I think we were talking about earlier, it's like a form of self-care. Like, you're caring for yourself. And I feel like loving yourself in a way because it's like some of those traumas, like, <laughs> you kind of take a little bit of love out your heart sometimes and you have to be willing to, to you know, fill your cup, you know? Yeah. And just renew your capacity. So that's what it means to me. Along with... Both the things that you guys said, so. I have something I want to ask you guys, because I was thinking about this earlier, and I was thinking about it in terms of, like, the black community and how a lot of times with the older people in our families, there's kind of this pushback with speaking on trauma and, like, going to therapy and stuff like that. So, but I know people of our generation are very outspoken about it. How... How do you guys feel like you learned about even the concept of healing from trauma since this is something that... I don't want to make this assumption like it's something that you guys never talked about growing up, but I know for me, the the concept of healing from trauma was, was never really brought up. So how did, how have you guys even learned about this or like come to be so familiar with it? So I, I can get started. I think growing up in my black family, like the only thing that was clearly stated as trauma was like sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. So not anything emotional, not anything mental. It was just that one form. So I was like, okay, I understand like this actions, these things can be traumatic, but I was not familiar with emotional abuse and mental abuse and those type of traumas. So I think it was like, oh, if that happens, that's bad. But there was never any rhetoric in terms of like healing Mm -hmm. from traumas or even just trying to identify like how things have internally traumatized you because I think about like my parents and grandparents and I'm sure they were very very traumatized people but I've never heard them really openly speak on their trauma so it wasn't like we're hiding this thing it's just like it wasn't acknowledged Mm -hmm. so that I think that started my kind of journey it's like well that's not something you acknowledge you know and you go to therapy for a number of things but that's not some things that's super encouraged Mm -hmm. you know so yeah I agree with her answer I think she like you said everything that I was thinking, but I think to add on to that, I know for me, like, this is, I've been in therapy three times, and, like, I feel like this is the most transformative experience with therapy that I've had, in part because I'm older, and I think also because I no longer live at home, so I have the capacity and the space to, like, process everything, you know, Um, and I think, like, growing up, Like, also, I think sexual abuse was, like, the only clearly defined category of, like, abuse. Mm -hmm. Like, there are a lot of actions that I feel like are very common in most black households that, like, could be defined as, like, emotional abuse. Like, I feel like every immigrant family has, like, like, my mom's Jamaican, and, like, immigrant families in particular are known to be, like, very judgmental of, like, your physical appearance, Mm -hmm. like, your weight, um, really, like, picking on you, but, like, they wouldn't consider that, like, emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. To them, it's just, like... Oh, well, we care about you. We want the best for you. But, like, if my friend talked to me that way, it would be, like, a hard no, you know? Yeah. So I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it's complicated. And also, to her point, like, I'm sure my parents have gone through stuff that they'll never really speak about because they don't even know that they, they need to speak on it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it happened a long time ago. Like, why am I dwelling in the past? 
or like why am I holding on to trauma and I feel like you just have to recognize that that's like due to their inability to have the space to process stuff rather than like because your trauma doesn't matter you know yeah. like so like if I tell my mom something she'll be like oh well like I experienced x when I was a kid and I'm not acting the way that you're acting and it's like because you don't hold that space for yourself I hold that space for myself and I'm so I'm able to process things and I'm able to express myself and I'm able to talk about how things affect me because I've allowed myself the space to do that yeah. um, and I feel like you kind of have to give yourself permission to like feel the feelings you know and be like well that yeah. happened a while ago but like I never processed it then so I'm processing it now and like I feel like people will look at you and be like oh why are you talking about this thing that happened a long time ago and it's mm -hmm. like well because I didn't have the space to process it a long time ago but I have the space to process it now so that's a very long answer to your question yeah and I feel like within black families sometimes it can be looked at as like ungratefulness mm -hmm. and that could possibly be a reason why we don't speak on past family trauma because I mean if we're being honest sometimes family trauma involves your parental figures and it's like they're, they maybe hold this notion, I'm not going to speak on something my mom and dad did to me. They provided for me and gave me life and put a home over my head. So why would I speak badly about them? So I think it's just important to like differentiate between speaking badly and just acknowledging that there was some hurt there. And acknowledging that there is forgiveness, but there is also still hurt. Um, which is something that I kind of talk about with my mom and, you know, just different conversations around that. Yeah, I think you also have to be aware of where people are in their healing journey. Like, I'm not going to talk to my mom about the impact of certain things because I know she can't receive it right now. Mm. And like, that doesn't have to do with me, that's about her. And like, mm. she's starting her healing journey at a different place than I am. And like, she just can't receive certain things. Mm. Or you know, certain things are triggering for her. Because it's like, well, the thing that you're accusing me of, my mother did to me, and I let it go, mm -hmm. and now you're throwing this in my... Like, you know what I'm saying? It's all about how a person is receiving stuff. And sometimes you also have to recognize, like, they just can't receive it. Mm -hmm. like, that's That kind of sucks. But I will say, like, I feel like a lot of the early traumas that we experience are from our parents. Right. Which is really complicated, because they yeah. also, like, you know, provide for us. And, and it's stuff. hard, because you don't want to speak... <clears throat> badly about them like even going to this like I remember one thought I was saying oh I don't want to speak down on anyone in my family just because that's like a common thing that's said you know um and then I think there's also the component of them feeling like disrespected when you try to address your feelings because I feel like compared to other cultures where maybe it's encouraged to express yourself in black homes maybe sometimes it's not encouraged to say yeah I don't I don't like that don't touch me there. Don't say that to me, please. <laughs> or things like that. Yeah. And I, I think, and hearing you guys talk about, I guess, like, initially where you might first be traumatized in terms of family, I think it's hard when you don't acknowledge it. Because, at least when I heard you say the word trigger, and I think about in terms of my relationship to the word trigger with trauma, it's like, I might have had something happen four years ago. I went to therapy for it. I thought it was good. And then something triggers me. And I didn't know it could trigger me in that way. And I think, when I think to how certain family situations might have traumatized me, not having that communication with them, like, I get more, I get triggered more often. Yeah. And it traumatizes me still. Even if it happened with family, like, what, say, 15 years ago, mm -hmm. like, I'm continuously being triggered because I never have the opportunity to have the conversation, to get the clarity, to even know where half of where they were coming from, not that it's their fault or I'm trying to do blame, but it's just like, maybe I can understand. Yeah. And maybe that can be a form of a release for me because I am now the traumatized individual, you know, trying to heal. 
and it's it's hard it's hard when you don't acknowledge it yeah. you know so i heard i heard i heard those words and i had to had to hop in there but and i think it also sucks when it's not an action that someone does that triggers you but it's just the person as a whole who triggers you sometimes i feel like sometimes you can be around someone in your family it's like it's not even one specific thing you're doing it's just like your presence is a trigger can i ask you a question so when Mm -hmm. you say that is it like because they remind you of another person or that person themselves has triggered you i I mean not triggered you traumatized you in the past that person like there could be a lot of baggage just for that one person where like they just do one thing you know it's just like their presence it's like there's so much history there because you guys have been through so much stuff or maybe they've done so much to you that when you're around them it's like i immediately feel you know you just tighten up a little bit like i immediately feel a way that i wasn't feeling before i entered into your presence yeah i really i feel like you could say that for places too like my home or like georgia tech like i remember after my freshman year my spring semester which was the worst semester that i ever had i feel like well, you know this you follow me on twitter i talk like i feel like i'm pretty open um, about what I've experienced on Twitter, even if I don't like disclose the specifics. But like when I came on campus after that semester, it was just like awful. Like I just hated coming on campus, you know, because yeah. the, the environment just felt like so triggering and traumatizing. Mm-hmm. And that's like a very much a shared experience with people that I know who like graduate from Georgia Tech who like yeah. never want to come on campus again, which I feel like <laughs> is an entirely different subject. But um, I definitely agree with you. I feel like figuring out like why you're responding to stuff Mm -hmm. like for example my sister like she'll trigger me not because of things that she does but like because her ability to express herself and like hold space for herself Mm -hmm. and like not have to work towards that you know and I look at that and I'm like well I have to work towards that why don't you have to work towards it Mm -hmm. but that's like not about her Mm -hmm. that's about me you know so like you have to recognize that about your triggers too like is is it about them or is it about me? Yeah. And that's like something that I feel like takes a whole lot of discipline to like in the moment be able to be like, now hold on, this is about them or is this about me? And that's like something that I'm very yeah. much still in the process of doing. I think that definitely takes a level of maturity, especially like we're in the age of like dating and like trying to maintain long-term friendships. Is like thinking about the things that trigger us and how we respond to things and not taking it out on someone else. Yeah. I think uh, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you, but mm-hmm. I think I honestly have experienced like before you even get there, a lot of people act in ways, and this is from personal experience. I've been the same, where I was acting out of traumas I didn't know I had. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of how I interacted with certain people, like it was because I was traumatized in a certain way, and that's how I learned to behave or react in that way. And it wasn't like really true to me, and it wasn't like what I wanted, but that's just what I learned. So in terms of, like hearing you talk about like relationships, like friendships. And all that stuff, people having to, like, kind of have the maturity to address their traumas. It's like, some people don't know they've been traumatized, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's tough. You know, that I think that takes, I don't know, life <laughs> to, like, kind of learn yourself. I think we talked about that earlier, like, like you have to learn yourself. But yeah, I think it's hard to maybe just assume that people have to just heal the traumas or know their triggers when they haven't, like, gotten to that space. And I think you were talking about you just don't, some people aren't there. Like, it takes time, it takes life to point things out and give them clarity, but... I guess it takes a lot of patience to see that and not, you know, force someone to be like, you know, you're traumatized, right? <laughs> but like, this is like patience to be like, okay, like I, I see where you're at and I have to take you as you are. Yeah. You know? I think that's where boundaries come in. Like, I, mm. this is something that I was thinking about before 
this because I'm in a journey with myself and like what healthy boundaries look like between mm -hmm. me and other people. And one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in life is that while you have to accept people for who they are, you don't have to take them as they are. Mm -hmm. Like you can look at somebody and be like, yeah, this is not the experience I want. Mm -hmm. Like I recognize that you're going through something or I recognize that you're like very much in the pits of like a really negative experience and you're like either acting out or like being a bad friend or a bad girlfriend or a bad whatever but like that doesn't mean that because you're going through trauma that i have to sit here and like you know yeah. deal with you acting out or deal with you processing or not processing or realizing you're being traumatized or not being um traumatized i don't know i feel like boundaries are one of the like biggest things that i've been able to like use to kind of create distance between myself and people like that or or to flip it if I'm the person who is experiencing trauma and mm -hmm. I'm acting from a triggered place to be able to look at my actions and be like okay I need to take some space from this person or this relationship because something in here is triggering me and mm -hmm. that's not fair to the other person and I need to take a step back and be accountable to myself and recognize like this person does not deserve how I'm treating them yeah. and I need to like do some inner work and figure out why I'm acting this way yeah. but that takes a lot of awareness mm -hmm. a lot of awareness a lot yeah. of awareness i feel like you have a lot of awareness i feel like i'm doing the best day by day i feel like if i were to sit up here and say that i have a lot of awareness that wouldn't be fair because i feel like i'm half of a person not in the sense that i like am not a developed person but i feel like i'm very much starting out in like a good place with myself like mm -hmm. i feel like this is the first time in my life that i like who i am and I like my friends and I like my life and I am like in a place where I can rely on my community for support. It's very new to me. Um, I feel like I've just done a lot of work. And so maybe yeah. that's why I come across as aware. I don't say I'm not aware. I mean, I, I'd like to think that I am aware. But I also know that for every time I've done something right, I've also done something wrong. So I feel like I can't say I'm aware and not also be like, there have been times where I've just been like muddling through life and like impacted people in negative ways and like didn't know them. Yeah. And I guess that's where like the awareness comes. Like you have to be able to take accountability for those things as well. Yeah. That's hard. I was, I was gonna say, well, I appreciate that you said like for every step forward, you might take a step back because I think sometimes you might think it's like all forward, all up. No, <laughs> it's not, it's not, that's not how it is. Like that's not realistic. Like you might take 20 steps back and like one leap forward and like you're in a whole different place. Mm -hmm. But I did want to ask, I heard you say, you had to do the work and I guess I want to ask you guys like what is what does that look like for you guys as individuals like doing the work I feel like for me since I haven't had therapy yet so I've had to do maybe I guess some self-healing until then um maybe just spending a, a significant amount of time alone and in intentional thought about things that have happened to me and then analyzing what those things were, kind of like what I was saying earlier, like what were those things that happened? What are the tendencies I'm seeing in my interactions and in my relationships? And how are those, how are maybe those things correlated? Mm -hmm. And then thinking about what I can do to improve on those things. So maybe it's like, for me, maybe prayer, um, maybe reading, maybe interacting with other people who I feel like are also trying to put in the work. Cause I think, that's a big thing for me, which I feel like I appreciate both about both of you two is like the intentionality that both of you put into your self healing. And I think maybe not a lot of people our age do that. I don't know. 
but I, I do gravitate towards people who I feel like are just because I think I can learn from people like that. And just having these types of conversations, I feel like. What about you? Well, I first want to say you said something interesting, which is like, I'm not in therapy, but I'm doing this work. And I want to highlight a point, which is that going to therapy and doing the work are oftentimes used it's like interchangeably and they're not the same thing. Mm -hmm. You can go to therapy and not be doing the work. I know people who go to therapy and they're not doing the work. Mm -hmm. um, and that's for a lot of reasons. Sometimes you're so deep into a situation that you can't see a way out of it or you can't see that you're not doing the work until after. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, And it's easy as the observer to be like, oh, well that person's not really putting in the work. But like, it's, it's hard to recognize that when you're in something. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think that therapy is the same thing as doing the work. I think therapy is a part of doing that work, but I feel like you can be in therapy and very much still be neglecting yourself. Or you can not be in therapy and be making strides beyond people who are in therapy. So do you think that people, when they're in therapy, kind of use that like, well, I'm in therapy. Oh, so absolutely, I'm doing yeah. work, And that's why they kind of neglect doing other things? I think there's a lot of that. Um, I think it's very easy to feel like because you're in therapy, that's like, okay, I've like got to the finish line. Like now I just need to be in therapy. And I feel like putting in the work is so much more than therapy. I feel like it's about checking your mom when she says something that makes you uncomfortable. It's about establishing boundaries and then continuing to reiterate those boundaries when people in life push those or when people cross those. It's about telling your boss, hey, my plate is full. I can't take on another thing. Like it goes beyond like a therapy for an hour. I mean, I think therapy has changed my life, but as I mentioned, this is the third time I've been in therapy. Mm -hmm. So clearly the first two weren't, <laughs> you know, doing what they needed to do or else maybe I wouldn't be in therapy now. Um, but yeah, I just, I think it's so much more than, than that. And it's not to discount the importance of therapy, but I just think a lot of times people assume that that's like gonna fix stuff. And in, I think self-care and caring for yourself is very much a lifestyle. Therapy is not a lifestyle. I it's think maybe it. it has to do with, I don't know if glorification is the right word, but I feel like nowadays I feel like therapy has been put on this thing, like this is the epitome of healing in a way. Because mm -hmm. what do we talk about past going, it's like go to therapy, go to, ooh, I went to therapy and it changed my life. Like, I don't know if we're having honest conversations because I will say like therapy just seems like that thing, like, I don't know, like this. <laughs> Magical thing that's gonna mm -hmm. solve everything. Yeah. I think, and I think that that might be an issue that people go into therapy thinking they're going to solve their problem, yeah. versus like using therapy as a tool. Like mm -hmm. this person is, if they're a good therapist, it's here to offer a safe space to help guide you through experiences or thoughts that you cannot navigate yourself. Because I know a lot of people, like personally, who are not able to navigate their thoughts. Like they don't have the consciousness to see through. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I, even when I went to therapy. I went, to the, well, I went to therapy twice. I don't count the first time, because I was forced to go. And that's another thing. Mm. Never, I've never, been there. Never, you know, <laughs> if you're forced to go to therapy, I, I'm sorry for y'all, because it's not the way that that should happen. But the second time, it was on my own accord. And I went for a very specific thing. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I just had no, nobody in my family, none of my friends, no one knew how to help me. And I had to find a professional to help guide me. And, you know, she helped me with, like, coping mechanisms and thought processes. And she asked me the hard questions that I would have never asked myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful for that, but I know I need to go back for several other things. You know what I mean? So it's, like, not it's not a one-time thing. I'll probably be going to therapy for the rest of my life in some capacity because it has really helped me. But it is not the end-all, be-all. I agree with what she said. 
as uh, my first time in therapy, I was also forced to go. And if that's your introduction into self-care, like, and, and healing yourself, like, that's just not even, you have to be ready to go. And if I'm being forced to go to therapy, obviously I'm not ready to address whatever is there, otherwise I would be going of my own accord. Um, but I definitely also feel like, just to add on to her point, like, I do think therapy is a tool, but it's not, like, gonna fix stuff. Like, I remember I was watching The Ultimatum, and I don't remember what her name is, but that girl was, like, when she, when her man proposed to her, even though she didn't want a baby, and he did. What was that girl? And she, Lauren, I think. Oh, Lauren and Nate. Yeah, and she was like, we'll go to therapy about this. And I'm like, what is therapy going to do? You guys, one of you wants a kid and the other doesn't. No, I saw you tweet that earlier. Someone was like. Therapy is not going to fix the fact that y'all don't. And then you were like, well, you can't have a half a baby. You can't compromise on that. I feel like sometimes people use therapy as like, like sometimes you just need to know when it's like not going to fix something. I don't think you should be looking at therapy as a tool to fix anything because you shouldn't look at yourself as something that needs fixing. I feel like people are fluid and life is fluid. It's not like you can close a chapter on trauma or close a chapter on your development as a person. I'm forever evolving. Mm -hmm. So I don't look at myself as something that needs to be fixed. I don't look at any mistakes I've made as like a thing that needs fixing. I mean, I definitely cringe, but I don't know. I just feel like that's not the best way to look at it. So I definitely try to like look at myself as like developing like how do I progress through this how do I move through this how do I process this like mm-hmm. more of fluid language as opposed to like how do we fix this or how do we like solve this I don't know I feel like mental health at least in my experience is like I have good days I have bad and it'll be like that for the rest of my life because I'm one of those people that's just mentally ill so I lucked out on that one but <laughs> I just yeah I don't know I feel very passionately about that obviously as you guys yeah this might be a silly question never don't laugh. You, know, you never know this one. You really never know. <laughs> but if there's a murder, oh my, do they need to be fixed or developed? <laughs> like, is that okay. not a, they need so, to be fixed? Type well, you of can't. Scenario? I don't. I mean, I, I. I'm gonna. People should not be fixed. People should not be fixed because the person isn't the problem. There, I feel like there are a lot of things that contribute to people to how they act. And it needs development. It needs growth. It needs some love. So the person who's the murderer just needs development in an area. Well, let me stop you there because murderer is actually a very complicated word. Mm. Yeah. When you say murder, are you talking about someone who just breaks into your home and stabs you? Are you talking about someone who, you know, a hit and run? Are you talking about self-defense? Are you talking about... Can we refrain from talking about this in case it does trigger someone okay. like can we maybe someone say like speaking the terms of someone who intentionally hurts people okay like whether it's emotionally physically mentally whatever because okay. i just i hear yeah it's creeping up on me all right so. well also i mean yeah for the sake of the podcast i don't know if you guys want the words murder associated with your podcast yeah. but i do like the question i think it's i think i think i i agree with her i mean how you get from a baby to someone who intentionally harms people is I mean so many things get you to that place right Mm -hmm. I I think it's a person who is very much not nurtured in their life I think they are worthy of sympathy maybe I mean it depends on you know the scope of the crime but does that mean that you can't still be like oh you're a bad person or you're a person who did something bad I mean I don't know I don't I don't think so but I dated someone who was a very much like a oh I think we had to say something no this was in high school so for anybody listening this is not someone I dated in college if anyone knows who that person is they're a very lovely person but um I have dated someone who from my experience would like 
almost deliberately like do and say things that were just like mm. meant to kind of be manipulative. Mm -hmm. And I say from my experience because it's from my experience. It's not the truth to somebody. I'm sure if she would have listened to this, she might disagree with me. Truth is relative. So that's why I say like my experience. Um, but like the reason that she was that person was because she was very much neglected as a child. So it's like, mm. it's complicated. Mm. I agree with her. Who you are as in the moment is very much the evolution of everything you've experienced in your life. And to some degree, there's like a version of you that's like very much hurting and yearning for nurturing. So you have to have compassion for that, but compassion with boundaries. And that's why I went back to my point about boundaries, because I think a lot of times when you have compassion for somebody or when you have sympathy or empathy, you allow yourself to overlook things or you allow yourself to dismiss the severity of things or you allow yourself to tolerate behaviors that you wouldn't ordinarily tolerate because you're sympathetic to that person. Mm -hmm. And you can be sympathetic to that person while also still removing yourself from that person's life or distancing yourself or at the very least sitting down with them and having a conversation about the impact of their actions, you know, and having some accountability in the conversation or some responsibility. I don't think you allow that person to mistreat you or disrespect you simply because they've gone through trauma that's led to them mistreating you, mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like to get to that point, because I think sometimes people can be a bit manipulative in those situations with the hurt that they're going through to kind of leverage that to keep you around. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like you yourself have to have a level of awareness and a maturity to, to both see that and respond to it properly. Because I think it's common for someone you're friends with in a relationship with to be like, well, I'm going through this and I, you know, like I need you or like you're abandoning me. And I kind of like what you said about like being able to, to take a step away from that because you don't have to be there for that person. And I think a lot of people forget that, mm -hmm. that you don't have to be there. You know, every person who's in your life is there by choice, even family members. I mean, there are people who are estranged from their family members. Everything to a degree is about who you choose to be around and what you choose to tolerate. And I think it's very easy when someone's going through something to feel like you are trapped. Sometimes you have to be there for this person because they don't have anyone else in their life or because they don't have support systems outside of that relationship with you. And in those cases, I don't think you, you know, say, well, sorry, sucks to be you, I'm out, deuces. Like, no, I think you have compassion for that person. I think you sit down and you explain to them, I understand how you feel and what you're going through, but you're treating me poorly and I don't deserve that. Mm -hmm. And that takes guts. Like, when I was in my situation, I didn't even have the mental capacity to recognize, like, everything that was going on. And a lot of times people don't have that capacity. So you kind of have to forgive yourself for that too, you know? It's really easy to resent myself for tolerating behavior that I knew I didn't deserve, but it's, I don't know, you just have to have compassion for that version of yourself who was just trying to do good. Yeah. And I, 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 wanna, I wanna hop on that and say like, compassion toward that person and I was thinking, when you were talking about, I guess like, people who intentionally hurt people, I really, I guess wanna holler to the crowd of people who unintentionally hurt people because I feel like everyone has been there I've been there I've unintentionally hurt like a few people and it's like you have to have compassion for yourself um, and forgiveness for yourself for ways that you trigger and potentially traumatize other people because um, I think that's like a, a hard pill to swallow like of course we're all traumatized in our own ways and having you know healed and worked through life and it's like you know pain that someone has caused me I have caused them and it was not intentional but I do have to hold myself accountable and I have to be very responsible in terms of how I develop and grow so that I do not hurt another person in this way. Because I think, I don't, I don't want to say there's not too much of a difference, but I think about someone who unintentionally hurts people um, and intentionally hurts people and then having the same impact. 
yeah. um, and how both of those people need to be held accountable um, in some form or fashion. So I just wanted to holler at y'all, holler at me, you know. <laughs> but I just I wanted to bring that up because I think it's, it's I think it's easy sometimes to you know talk about how people, of course, traumatize us. But I think it's you know just in terms of hindsight twenty twenty, you got to think about what have I done to other people, you know? Mm. Like maybe these words, maybe these actions. And I think when I'm really honest with myself, I think about how I was raised and how <laughs> certain communication is with certain family members, and we're very aggressive. Very aggressive, and sometimes I blame it on being from the north. Sometimes that's a part of it, but sometimes maybe I'm not as um, emotionally in tune with other people, and it can come off in a negative way. And they can feel as though that you know maybe I'm intentionally hurting them, but it's like you know, regardless of how people talk to me, and I normalize that trauma, it's not respectful or right for me to treat another person in that way, even if they have or have not set up those boundaries. You know, you have to have that self awareness, and it's like, you know, I'm a little bit wrong here. <laughs> you know, I'm I and I need to take a step back for me to realize how I need to treat others, yeah. you know, and the impact I have on others. Yeah. I have a question for you guys. Do you feel like you all are empaths? And if you do, <laughs> so can you can you describe or just explain that cuz I I know what that is, but I want to hear what your version of that word is. So I might not describe this perfectly. <laughs> this is the Michaela right. definition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When I hear empath, I think of someone who almost like feels what other people are feeling or has the capacity to feel what other people are feeling maybe to a higher degree than others. I think this is a very interesting word and it's an interesting concept because, well, first of all, were you finished? Because I just hopped on there. Um, I didn't wanna, yes, I, I have a so. ramble. So now I, I will say like, I don't, that might not be the perfect definition, mm -hmm. but like, and maybe not if feel those feelings exactly, but somewhat resonates with how other people are feeling more so than the average person. Okay, you can go. I feel like the definition is contextual, first mm -hmm. of all. So to your point, I feel like depending on the context. Um, to answer your question, I used to think I was an empath, and then I realized that what I was doing was not feeling things deeper than other people. It was hypervigilance, mm -hmm. right? Ooh. And that's what that is. So when I hear people say like, oh, I feel things deeply, to me that either says I lack emotional boundaries with other people or I'm super aware of other people's body language, facial expressions, change in tone because I grew up in an environment that was unpredictable and I had to be hyper aware of every change in my environment so I knew if something bad was going to happen. Now, are you talking about being an empath or a highly sensitive person? What's the difference? I think... I don't know, but I don't know for sure. But I, I've never thought of the two as being the same. I think of highly sensitive people as being, as probably, as an empath being a subset of a highly sensitive mm, person. Okay. But you can be an empath without being a highly sensitive person, possibly. Well, I'm talking in the context of empath. I wasn't okay. thinking about a highly sensitive person. I think those two things can come, can both come from a place of hypervigilance. Mm -hmm. But at least from my experience, you know, I won't speak for other people who may have claimed, who may say that they're an empath, because honestly, I don't want to discount anyone's description of themselves. But for me, I used to think like, oh, I'm super aware of everyone's like emotional change, and I really internalize the atmosphere of whatever I'm in. And I think I do do that. I tend to be like very much a reflection of the environment that I'm in, but I don't know that that's a good thing. And I feel like I hear the word empath being used as like a good attribute. And I feel like you have to explore where that's coming from. So like for me, 
my hyper awareness of my environment, my sensitivity to my environment is because I grew up with a parent who was emotionally unpredictable and sometimes like highly reactive and like, you know, I don't want to use the word violent, but like just really scary. Um, and so like as an adult, I'm just super in tune with my environment, which is like a very nice way of saying I like freak out at everything because I like am super aware of people's mm. change in tone. Like if my friend sends LOL at the end of a text, I'll be like, oh, is she mad at me? Is that like a passive aggressive LOL or is that a funny no, LOL? Same. And it's like, oh my gosh, like you just have to. It's really draining. It's really draining. Yeah, it's really draining. So that's why I want to like take a moment and address like where my descriptor of the word empath like came from within me. Like I used to call myself that because I thought it was a good thing. And now I just realized one, I lacked emotional boundaries with myself and other people. So for example, if my roommate was going through a really bad period in their life, like I would feel that, which is not only unhelpful to the both of you, but like you just have to have that emotional boundary and be like, this person is going through something and I support them, but like we are our own people, you know, because yeah. if, if you're experiencing what they're experiencing, then they have to mitigate every response that they have to something because it's going to affect you. Mm -hmm. Like that's a whole lot of work to do for someone who's in a bad spot. Um, and then I think also going back to like my hypervigilance, like, yeah, that's not something to brag about. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but like I experienced trauma. That's where that comes from. Mm -hmm. So I don't think of myself as like more emotionally in tune because of that. I think of myself as someone who was traumatized. Mm -hmm. I don't have a relationship with that word, nor would I say I'm an empath. I don't, I personally don't believe in the necessity of, I guess, expressing my empathy or sympathy through feeling another person's feelings. Mm -hmm. um, I don't personally feel like it's appropriate. I don't think, like you said, it's beneficial, it helps. I think if anything, it could make situation worse. I agree. Because you're having a lot of energies of probably not positivity, love, joy, whatever, in the same place. And I think it can take a person further away from growth because you're not maybe, not I don't wanna say calling them out, but bringing a different perspective mm -hmm. or bringing a different insight. So when I think about I see someone in a hard place, I see someone deeper in their emotions. I don't try to feel them at all, I think. I try to offer what I have the capacity to with like love or just being there. I think I try to be present. I think what I'm trying to say is I'm present, but I don't ever try to really take on another person's baggage, trauma, feelings, because I think I've done that and it was like toxic to me. Like or because it was eyes. I mean, I think it was interesting sympathizing and taking on another person's, like, feelings. Mm -hmm. Like, I think me taking on anything that is not my own will hurt me as a person. I think I can be there for someone and acknowledge it and empathize, but not take it on so much so that it affects me, my heart, my soul, my person, my mind. I think, to Alyssa's point, like, boundaries. Like, it shouldn't get to that point. Like, you should implement boundaries to protect yourself because I think regardless of what another person's going through like you do have to protect yourself you know because who's gonna pick you up who's gonna cater to you I don't think it's gonna be that empath in the way that you need it mm -hmm. you know what I mean you have to you have to hold yourself accountable and be there for yourself because oh, that's just that's just how I feel about it so I agree I feel like you can't internalize other people's stuff like even if it's your friend and they're going through a hard time like there's a difference between being present and empathizing and internalizing. Mm -hmm. And I've had to learn that lesson many times in my life. Like, 
to set up emotional boundaries between yourself and other people so that you can be supportive without internalizing their problem or making their feelings your feelings or like just because then it, it just to her point like it's who does that help yeah you know because now the person who's going through something has to worry about your feelings it just feels claustrophobic to everyone involved um and i've definitely done that before in my life where i like emotionally took on other people's problems or was like very much feeling the feelings that they were feeling and like that doesn't it doesn't benefit me let's start there it doesn't benefit me um and it doesn't help the other person because you're just so close in it that you can't even really offer them objective advice anymore right and who does that help right yeah i had a problem for or a question for both of you Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna answer it as well (laughs) but it, it was something that you you said and it reminded me of this when have you been the problem (laughs) (laughs) for context guys i just started uh creeping toward the window to jump um i feel like can i I, okay so can i say this can i say this Mm -hmm. i would like to add on to your question with your permission when have you been the problem and where did that problem that you cause root from if you know i have been the problem romantically because of my anxious attachment style um, and when I say anxious attachment style, there's like forms of attachment styles that you can have in relationships, like maybe anxious avoidant or avoidant or just straight up anxious. <laughs> actually, maybe I'd, I actually don't really remember. I think I have either anxious or anxious avoidant. Definitely not avoidant, but it is, it's either a combination of anxious avoidant or it's just straight up anxious attachment style to my romantic partners. And that is a problem because it's just a problem there's a lot of problems with that that i am aware of let me try to give an example of of why that's a problem for instance they may there may be a time when they need they need space or like kind of like you were saying with a text message maybe their tone will change or maybe like small things will happen that is has completely nothing to do with me Mm And it's just whatever they're they're going through, but because of my attachment style, I think, or whatever reason, I will, I get insecure about that, or I'll think that it's me, and I'm like, overcompensating that for like maybe like <laughs> doing too much, and that's just a problem that I have to be aware of at times, and honestly, it's just something I'm continually having to be better at, that maybe I don't always do the best job of. Um, did I answer the question? Yeah. I, I, do you think you know personally where parts of that attachment style comes from? <sighs> I've tried to look it up. Right now, I would say no. I know I try looking up why it is that people with anxious or anxious avoidant attachment styles have those attachment styles, but I don't really remember. So, no. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't. Okay. Well, I have a similar attachment style, anxious avoidant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know where that comes from. It comes from my upbringing. But I've been the problem. Well, as a Leo, obviously, part of me is like, I'm never the problem. But, like, that's a lie. To someone out there, you're the problem, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I was the problem in a relationship where I wasn't really being transparent about my needs and whether they were being met or not. And ultimately, it took the person being like, I can tell that this is not really working for you for me to be like, well, dang, now I really have to act on my lack of needs being met, you know? But like that person didn't deserve to see me sitting there pretending to be happy or pretending to be fulfilled, you know? Mm -hmm. That person deserved transparency and I couldn't give that to them. 
Um, and that's a problem. Not being able to be transparent about what your needs are, if they're getting met, essentially kind of checking out. Mm -hmm. um, people don't deserve that. If someone's being present, they deserve that in response. Um, but I give myself compassion for that, and I'm pretty sure the other person is like very much not thinking about that anymore. So yeah, it's all cool. But I definitely, you know, I am like, dang, I could have done better. You know, I could have stepped yeah. up and been more honest with myself and been like, hey, yeah, this just isn't working. Yeah. Um, and then going back to Alessandra's point about um, empathizing, but also like having emotional boundaries. There have been times in my life where I didn't have those emotional boundaries. And it took losing a person or a really painful breakup or whatever for me to be like, yeah, I didn't deserve how they were treating me, but I could have also set up some boundaries and been more intentional about how I was showing up for that person. But I think it's also important to note that just because you're the problem doesn't mean that you deserve bad treatment, yeah. right? Like I can sit up here and be like, yeah, I shouldn't have, I should have minded my business or I should have you know, done something different. But just because you could have changed your behavior, it doesn't mean that you deserve what happened to you because you didn't choose your behavior. You didn't change your behavior. Yeah. Like I would never look at myself and be like, oh, well, because I didn't have a boundary, I deserved this person, you know, Xing me out or treating me badly. Like, no, I still deserved better. Yeah. But my behavior was definitely a problem. Yeah. I just want to say that to the interweb. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been the problem. Um, I've been the problem in like two ways that are connected. So I've either, and I guess this is, it comes out more in a romantic sense, not with friendships, where I've either pressured, applied too much pressure in a situation like trying to receive love from another person. So kind of chase, overly chasing or over nurturing and giving love to people I know I didn't have feelings for. Mm. And for me, that rooted from um, when I was like younger in certain family situations, like not feeling lovable, not feeling loved, mm. and not feeling nurtured. So it comes out in two ways where it's like I might nurture people or think they need to be cared for, and I chase something that I feel like I haven't fully had and I deserve. Mm. And that is hard. <laughs> because it, it hurts people because you're I don't think you should ever just apply pressure to people emotionally that mm -hmm. it's never it's never good to force anything in terms of being in a person's life because you feel like you need to nurture them but you actually don't want to mm -hmm. it's problematic because then they fall in love with you yes well, Michaela yeah. sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm crying um, and I think like I think well it's a, and the thing is like I know it roots from a combination of like sexual trauma and family trauma and I'll forever learn how those interact and how all my traumas interact, but I think there are core parts of me that are still healing to this day that like have felt unlovable for years and years and years, and it comes out in romantic relationships mm -hmm. uh, more than friendships. Um, and I act a certain way about it, and you know, kind of talking about the problem, like, you know, I don't want people to shame me and be like, you know, X, Y, Z, because like, I'm trying, but I have to, I have to, Take accountability for that and learn every day about how it's going to come out because it comes out a different person challenges me each time and this is outside of romantic relationships where i'm challenged in a way i've never been challenged and i have to relearn myself i think about like one of my triggers in general is like losing control and you can lose control a lot of different ways like mm -hmm. for instance i might be in a dentist and i try to get up and sis says no 
I might start having a panic attack. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm in a car and there's traffic and I feel trapped, I feel like I want to jump out the car. Mm -hmm. And there's always a different way that it shows up. I have to realize where I'm at and where it comes from because it, it grounds me a little bit. But in terms of being the problem, I've gotten better. Um, and I've had to like do the work. You know, we were talking about that earlier, but I'm glad I realized where it comes from. Mm -hmm. And I can have a little bit of like sense of empathy for myself mm -hmm. of like, you know, like, you know, I don't, it's not your fault, but it's like, you know, this is how you you have to learn. Like how this affects you, who, who you are now and who you're becoming, so. And just to speak on that unlovable piece, I love you. <laughs> Aww. Thank you, Kayla. So I really appreciate that. You are lovable. Thank you, Kayla. I think we're all lovable. Like, yeah. I feel like that, um, what's that, you know, that victorious meme? <laughs> I'm going to go these things. Well, I think we, we all, all sing. <laughs> we all sing. But I yeah. do feel like we're all lovable. I feel like everyone's lovable. Ugh. Yes. I yes. mean, that doesn't mean that some people, you know, like, need, need our love. <laughs> right. <laughs> I wish I could be one of those people that's like, I rise above, but like, sometimes no. But you know, I feel like we're all doing our best. And I think we deserve to give ourselves compassion for where we fall short, you know? Because I feel like if you don't have compassion with that acknowledgement, then you can get into this really dark place of self-loathing where you're like, oh gosh, I hurt all these people and I'm a terrible person. Yeah. And you need compassion to move from that place to be a better person. If you're being self-loathing, who is that helping? Yeah. It's not helping the people that you've hurt. It's not helping you grow. It's not helping you heal. You know, big that's Leo not really energy. helpful. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't say that. Just give me big Leo energy. I mean, you just gotta move forward. Like, I'm sorry. That does not help anybody. I'm not gonna sit here and act like I don't have days where I'm like, dang, I'm not liking myself right now. And that's like the real honest part of healing. But you have to figure out how to move from that place. Because if you get stuck there, it's not, it's not giving. Like, it, it it's just, I've... I've been there mentally and I've also been around people like that mentally and it's just negative for mm -hmm. everyone involved. Yeah. So you have to have compassion for yourself in order to, you know, move forward productively with that healing journey. Yeah. I agree. And I want to I want to ask one final question. You know, um, I think we always like end our podcast by asking why this is important. Like why talking about this topic of healing trauma, like why is it in like personally important to you guys? I'd say this topic is important personally for me just because I am at a point where I'm trying to be more intentional with my relationships and like both developing and nourishing those relationships whether it's with family, friends, romantically. So I feel like this topic is just important for me like going forward and thinking about how the best way I can do those things and like be the best version of myself. And even thinking long term, like going into my 30s, like I feel like while I'll still be probably, you know, putting in the work to heal from trauma then, like I definitely want to put in that work now. So for my kids, when I'm bringing like kids into this world, I'm not passing that along to them. And I have a healthy marriage and I have a healthy relationship with my kids and family and things like that. So that's definitely why this is like an important thing for me to think about and talk about um, in preparation for those things. Um, I think this is an important topic because it's very much something that I experience and move through each day. I think being an active participant in your healing process is something that I choose to be. Um, and I've experienced stuff that's hard. And I've chosen to, you know, find a purpose in it and move to be a better person to elevate you know um and i just think you just that's like such an important thing to do you know 
Um, I think it's also important to note that like you can create beautiful purpose out of whatever pain you experience or if you've traumatized somebody you can you know acknowledge that and move forward. I also think it's important to acknowledge that just because you've moved forward from your wrongdoings doesn't mean that other people have moved forward from the actions or the you know cause or whatever um, and that's a really hard thing that I've grappled with so I don't know. I just think also in my journey as a person, one thing that I've learned that like has helped me to be better is just like being really kind and graceful to myself. Um, and I just think that's like a really important part of healing um, because you can't really do that without being kind to yourself and being like, yeah, I was not my best self then, but like, yeah. you know, I was trying and I was navigating some really hard stuff and like that sucked, but I was doing my best and like that's real. You know, all anyone can ask is for you to show up and do your best, you know? And if people decide that that's not enough, like, okay but I'm doing my best and like yeah. have compassion for that so that's why that's important to me I think also just like life is hard <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we all have stuff we're healing from yeah yeah um you kind of segued into what I was gonna say I feel like it's important because this is my personal opinion y'all you might disagree but I feel like every person on this earth is traumatized in some way or they acknowledge it or not and I think it's important to talk about it because there are people out there who might feel as though they don't need to heal they have nothing to heal from but as a person on this earth who experiences life every day the hard times the the harder times the worst times you owe it to yourself to heal in some way you know if it has hurt you if it has like just changed who you are like you i feel like you owe that to yourself in some sense in your own time so i think it's important to just talk about like trauma is universal and because trauma is universal we need to be kind to ourselves and kind to others because you just you really never know what a person has been through, what they're going through, what they're processing, how far they are on their journey. And I think it's just like a, it's like a, I think for me, it, it neutralizes my perspective sometimes when I can be judgmental or I can just be, I won't say disrespectful, unloving toward other people because it's like, I can be introspective and think in my hardest of times, would I ever treat myself like this? And the answer is absolutely not. Mm -hmm. um, so I think having that grace for other people is important and having that grace for yourself is important and it's just it's good for everybody <laughs> to talk about it it's good for everybody there's there is no one suffering from you know us healing or acknowledging <laughs> trauma or thinking about our triggers so that's why it's important in jail <laughs> <laughs> i love how you ended it with that <laughs> they're suffering <laughs> yeah yeah okay i want to y'all when i said suffering you you get what i'm saying but i like i like that you pointed that out um but First of all, ladies and gentlemen, um, whatever pronouns you associate, I feel like we should all have some time and clap for Alyssa. Yes, thank you because for coming on. She, she has <laughs> dropped some gems. I'm, I'm going to listen to this podcast gem. over and over and over. Y'all need to listen to it at least 10 times. Because I love listening to you speak. Thank yeah, you. I do too. Because like even the depth of what you were saying, like you said something. You said something. I'm going to quote you because <laughs> it was so good. But it was something about like something about pain and oh, it's good. But you've been an amazing guest. Thank, Thank you. You guys are so nice. <laughs> I feel like I'm just sometimes, you know, waffling through. So thank <laughs> you. Of course. Well, um, follow us on Instagram <laughs> at those2amtalks. And yeah, share with your friends. Yeah, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Right, bye. Bye.